Thank you for listening and welcome to the Life Radio Show, a proud member of the SJ Network and Realm of the Mist Entertainment. I'm your host, Don Smith. This week I talked with stuntman, stunt coordinator, and pyrotechnician Nick Plantico. We learned that explosives keep us safe. After all, we just want to save lives. If you enjoy the show, like and follow The Life 1069 on Facebook and Don Smith Comedy on Twitter, or tune in live on Tuesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. on WWSU 106.9 FM, or you can stream the show live at WWSU1069.org. Overwhelms me. A brutal presence. The Life Radio Show is now brought to you in part by the Nurses Guild of Florida, experts in home health care. Go to thenursesguild.com for more information. This podcast is part of the SJ Network. Go to s-j-network.com for more great podcasts and for contact information on publicist Steve Joyner. All right. Hey, welcome to the Life Radio Show. I'm your host, Don Smith. We are, uh, eventually, we got to where we can zoom right along. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's been a long haul, but we got there. We got there. It's it's just uh, so, sometimes uh, sometimes technical difficulties plague us in the in the radio and podcast world, but but we get through it. We 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 uh, we just keep pressing forward. Uh, my guest is zoomed in with me. I want to welcome to the show. Uh, let's see, uh, st- stunt coordinator, stunt man, special effects coordinator, uh, probably a lot of other things I'm leaving out. Nick uh, Plantico. <laughs> Did I pronounce that yeah. correctly? That's actually really good and very accurate. Okay, good. good. <laughs> well, welcome to the show. It's good to have you. I know we, we, we talked for about 30 minutes trying to get set up for the show. <laughs> so yeah. I, I feel like we've already made a connection. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, let's see how the rest of the show works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see how the actual show goes. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get started in the in the uh, – in the stunt world. I fell into it. No, that's, that's <laughs> um, it was, it's actually kind of funny if you guys want the whole story. Um, I studied to be a Marine biologist. Um, supposedly I had some sort of intelligence and uh, I graduated from high school when I was 16 and was going to get two years of college paid for by the Navy and then go to Annapolis and be a scientific officer. Hmm. Some jerk friend of mine took me on a movie set that summer and that was it. Now I let myself on fire for money. So there you go. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> so, from my marine biology to uh, to to stuntman. Yeah, I still love the ocean. Still love the water. I've had a dive card since I was sixteen. So, but uh, yeah, it, it just changed everything. I I sort of grew up in the film industry. My godfather is uh, Tommy Cole. He was one of the original Mickey Mouse Club, and he's a award-winning makeup artist and. He was the rep for the Makeup Artists Union for a while, and my mother was a costume designer. I hated everything about Hollywood. I hated the phony people. I hated the phony actors. And then I met the stunt guys, and I was like, oh, okay, these guys are kind of cool. <laughs> so th- that that's how you got involved in the stunts? It was just because that, that's something I've always wondered about with stuntmen is how do they realize they're good at doing that? Um, I got lucky. I mean, I, I had a knack for driving. I've always enjoyed, you know, driving cars. And when I first started out, I was mentored by Yakima Kanut. He's uh, basically the grandfather of all stuntmen. He did 
under the chariot or the uh, chariot race for Ben Hur. He went under the stagecoach for John Wayne and stagecoach. He was the best of the best. And I got to spend the last couple of years of his life just learning everything that I could squeeze out of him. It was amazing. Wow. So I, uh, most of my friends that are stunt guys are uh, older than me, which is actually saying something. Some of them are still working too. So I have hopes for that. But yeah, I, uh, I got into it. And I just, the idea of doing things that you shouldn't be able to do and walking away from it appealed to me at the time and still does. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a, that's definitely a, a an interesting draw. <laughs> Cause I, I'm, I, I'm not athletic enough. I accidentally do my own stunt stunts when I'm on set, which. Yeah, I'm not uh, what you call an athlete, but uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I remember there were. Yeah, there I didn't were, have the. Uh, go ahead. I didn't have the sports background or, you know, usually these guys come out of some kind of a sports or gymnastics or martial arts. And I didn't, and I'm actually kind of a big guy. Uh, I've got spinal compression from all the big car jumps and everything. I was almost six, five when I started, but the average actor is like five, seven to five ten. So I ended up just playing bad guys when I started out and I got into doing cars and fire uh, because I could be a bad guy and, you know, get lit on fire, and then later I could flip a car, same movie, and it couldn't tell it was me. So I got more work doing that, and I, I enjoyed both of them. Nice. Yeah, I see a, a couple of credits as a pyrotechnician, which just sounds super fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, probably mid-'80s, maybe 86, 87. I was doing a war movie, which shall remain unnamed. And the effects guy blew me up twice, second time pretty bad. The explosion actually knocked me down. And they're supposed to be simulated, you know. <clears throat> I was like, this is not good. I better learn this. And I, I hooked up with a guy named Jeff Marsh, who unfortunately lost a couple years ago, and Thane Morris. Uh, Thane owns uh, the company that makes most of the pyro for movies. Hmm. And uh, they, they mentored me. They taught me. I've got a, a federal explosive license. But it, it helps me um, be able to create something bigger and flashier. You know, when I started out in the early 80s, everybody's doing these big car jumps and flipping cars, uh, pipe ramps, right. which is a rail ramp that you just hit with a frame. And they were going faster and fast. I mean, some guys hit the ramps at like 90, 100 miles an hour. And I topped out at like 70. And I thought, you know, that, that one kind of hurt. So <laughs> I figured out that with my knowledge of pyrotechnics, I could make them bigger, flashier, more dangerous looking and not have to go over like 55 <laughs> when I did them. And that's, it, it's helped me. I've, I've done some stunts that I wouldn't have done if I'd not known the special effects end of it. Right. That so, makes sense. Keeps me safer, keeps everybody else safer. And, uh, you know, if, if I can't get a stunt job, sometimes the stunt guys that I work with will get me the effects job because they feel safe with me doing it. Cause I've literally great. stood in front of everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. You, you might have just named our uh, our episode for today. I'm gonna put down explosives. Keep us safe. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not really something I thought of, but yeah, if you, if you can do the, if you can make the stunts look worse than they are, they don't have to be as bad as they could be. <laughs> Absolutely, and the difference between a stuntman and a daredevil is repeatability. I like to come back the next day and get paid some more money. Right. It's no fun in the hospital. Yeah, that that's that's one of those professions where it seems like it would be uh, you'd need a lot of hazard pay for doing that, and there'd be a lot of time off to recover. <laughs> yeah, well, they, for stunts they call it a stunt adjustment. You get paid your uh, daily rate, and then they give you more for the silly things you do. 
Yeah. Uh, and that's all negotiable too, which is nice. <laughs> like, like I said, I, I've, I've done my own stunts in some and I've come away injured just, uh, accidentally doing them. I, I did a fight scene this past weekend for a movie I'm in and I went, I went in with a knee that was already blown out. So, <laughs> Oh yeah. Both knees have been done already. My back, like I guess I've got about two and a half inches of uniform spinal compression. Uh, I'm lucky it's, it's, it's squished shorter, but nothing's rubbing. So I've got that going for me. Well, that's <laughs> I can tell you when it's going to rain, you know, things like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you get a lot more attuned to the barometric pressure nowadays. Oh yeah. Moisture too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you act, you act as well. So you've acted in several movies and that's. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I actually have, I, I've done, I've done a fair amount. There's a lot better actors out there than me, like most of them. Um, but I started the acting thing like as a bigger than most guys. So I would always be the thug behind the bad guy. Right. And, you know, I, I did two films back to back. These were like a week apart where I had the same line, get him. <laughs> one of them would lit me on fire. The other one they shot me and I went out a window, but it was hilarious. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I can, I can hit a mark and deliver a line and I've, I've been told it's okay, but I, I'm not as comfortable doing that. I'd rather get, you know, lit on fire, yeah. flip a car, or blow them out a window or drag behind something. Yeah. I'm looking at a couple of your, uh, a couple of your credits. The, the names is the credits. Older fat Russian is one, <laughs> is one of the well, characters. There was a younger fat That's... Russian. That was a joke. That <laughs> <laughs> You said there was no younger? No, there was. It was another stunt guy and I, we worked together on this thing. And we didn't have character names, so we were trying to figure out something. And somebody said, well, you could be the old fat Russian, you could be the young one. And he goes, I'll be the young one, but you got to be the older one. Because I was, you know, 15, 20 years older than the guy. <laughs> Adam, as long as the check clears. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You can call me what you will. As long as <laughs> mm -hmm. my name's spelled right on the check and on the call sheet, I'm ready to go. Yep, yep. Also a credit under there for Big Man. So, yeah. That's, yeah. That's <laughs> Which one was that? That was that um, Southland? Southland, yeah. Yeah, that was that was a funny one too. <laughs> uh, one of the episodes they had these guys, uh, they robbed, I think, a bank. And they're driving around in a circle with these police cars chasing them. And they, they throw like bottles of water and stuff. And as they're, they keep going around the blocks, people start coming out to look at them. So they decide to throw water on the windshield of the car behind them. And then they throw some of the money out that sticks to the windshield. And they needed a big idiot to jump on the hood of the police car <laughs> trying to grab the money. And we actually let the actor do the driving because the uh, couple of the actors that drove a lot on that show went through the stunt driving course. They're actually pretty good. Hmm. So we put a camera in the back seat and you can actually see my largeness splatter on the windshield and chasing the money and everything. It was funny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's 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 the fun part of movies that that a lot of actors don't get to do. Yeah, well, the difference between actors and us is I get a scratch on my face. You know, I put some super glue or a band aid on it. Your lead actor gets a scratch on his face. You're shut down till it's gone. So yeah. gotta be careful. <laughs> There's a lot of guys that do a lot of their own stuff. I've worked with some pretty physical guys, and they're pretty cool. But yeah, the the liability is if they get hurt, the whole show's screwed. If I get hurt, you know, I limp off or they just call another guy. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's interesting to talk to you today because the past couple of days after this previous weekend of filming, I've talked to a couple of people about different injuries that I've had from acting. And it's just, yeah, because I, I broke my toe once. Uh, I was doing a, <laughs> which was super fun because none of this footage made it into the movie. Like not one oh, bit really? of it. And I was running through the woods, up and down hills for probably four hours filming this. I broke my toe like as soon as we started because it's muddy and there are rocks everywhere. And I, I hit something and just messed my toe up. Did the rest of the day filming and not one bit of that footage made it into the uh, end of the movie. <laughs> That's not cool. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was very heartbreaking. Yeah. That? I say, if I get banged up, at least show it. Yeah, I mean, it could at least it could at least be on the DVD extras or something, you know. <laughs> it could oh, yeah. at least be in the director's cut. <laughs> yeah, but I, I've uh, I've on stage doing a play. I sliced through my fingers with what was supposed to be a prop knife. Then I had to oh, yeah. the rest of the scene with my fist clenched and blood dripping onto the stage. So that was fun. <laughs> you can't but, cut when it's live. That's why. <laughs> What's that? He can't, yeah, you can't no cut when it's live. You just have to keep going. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but this past weekend we one of our principal one of one of our actors who's also one of our producers, uh, he uh, he did a face plant and broke his nose <laughs> while we were filming. So I'm hoping that made the uh, movie. <laughs> uh, you can't break my nose, it's actually permanently broken. I had four actors break it for me and then when my son was a baby he headbutted me and it actually healed out pretty funny though <laughs> if you hit me and it goes to one side i can just pop it back over so oh that's a good party trick now yeah that's about it but yeah <laughs> so uh, of all the stunts you've done what what was one that made you uh, think twice before you even wanted to try it I'm, hmm. I'm sure there. I'm sure there have been several, but what's like one of the? Give, give me the top three of what you really thought. There's no way in hell you're yeah. doing this. <laughs> yeah, see, that's I'm not one of those guys. I, if I can't figure it out, I won't do it. Uh, there was a big one that I did years ago in Vegas. Uh, I took a limousine and I put two of those telephone pole cannons in it. Uh, thing ended up weighing like 6,500 pounds. And I drove at it in a Knight Rider looking Firebird and used explosives to blow the limousine 14 feet in the air. And I went underneath it during the hang time. Uh, that one wow. I thought long and hard about. <laughs> yeah. And that's... I ended up doing 90% of the, yeah, the welding because I figured if something went wrong, it needed to be my fault, not somebody else's. Right. But uh, it worked. It worked great. People in North Vegas thought a plane had gone down. They were all down in 911. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You blew the limousine 14 feet off the ground and drove under it. Yeah, that's, yeah. that sounds super fun. What, can you tell me the name uh, yeah. of the film? Because I have to see that now. Uh, it was a TV show called I Dare You. Um, uh, there's a clip on YouTube. They have it as like Limousine of Death or something like that. Um, if you see the Telemundo logo, that's actually the best footage they've got on there. Okay. <laughs> Limousine. But yeah, it ended up being like 15, 15 pounds of gunpowder and 50 gallons of gasoline in like two and a half seconds. Wow. So it was a huge fireball. And it took, there was people standing. It's the big vacant lot next to Circus Circus right on the strip. And people were standing against the fence. And 
I didn't hear it, of course, but the safety guys all said right after I did it, there was a bunch of screeching tires and horns honking because people moved backwards into the street. The ones were standing the fence because the heat wave, they felt right. the heat from, you know, something feet away. <laughs> yeah. That's, but, uh, that, that's actually my, one of my favorites that I've done. That was, I wrote that, uh, to be like a James Bond kind of stunt, but unfortunately I've never done a James Bond movie. And this show came to me and said, Hey, we want something no one's ever done before. And I said, well, how big's your checkbook? And they paid for it. It, it worked out really nicely. Nice. Yeah. As, as long as they've got the money to pay for it, blow some stuff up. Yeah. Well, it was one of those that wasn't cheap to do either. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm looking through your IMDb. There are so many of these movies I want to see now. Attack of the Killer Donuts. Okay, that one I just blew up the miniature donut shop. That's not my fault. Uh, and I, I did it because a friend was in it. And <laughs> I was like, no, I'll see Thomas Owl's in it. Both of us were there as favors in our defense. So, <laughs> but uh, the, the guy that built Don, uh, that built the uh, the miniature had actually built like the White House for Independence Day and things that they blew oh. up. So, <laughs> from the White House to a, a donut shop. Yeah, he, well, he's actually a, an amazing effects guy himself, but he was doing so much other stuff. He's like, hey, you want to come out and blow up a donut shop? And I'm like, sure. And he goes, well, it's a miniature. I'm like, yeah, even cooler. So, <laughs> yeah, we just went out, spent the night, blew the thing up, and left. It wasn't, you know, it's, um, it's funny. It, it's, it's one of those movies, you know, they keep remaking movies that they shouldn't because the first one was so good. Oh, yeah. It's one of those, the concept was there, but the execution, uh, but the puppeteer that built the donuts, they have like these puppet donuts that bite you in it. They're actually hilarious. So there was, there was a lot of talented people on the show, but I, that one did not win any awards. No, no Oscars or anything for that one, no. Which is, which is a shame, because that, that, that's one that should have a very big cult following. Uh, it's actually building. It's It's been on HBO, and I, I think it's on Amazon or Netflix or one of the other ones right now, because... Every once in a while, I get a, a text. I just saw your name in the credits of this movie. <laughs> yeah, that was. Me. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to write that down because I'm going to have to check that one out. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's That's really all I do these shows for is just to pick up new fun things to watch. <laughs> uh, I've actually got one that's on Netflix right now called Southern Survival. Hmm. Uh, that uh, unfortunately found I just did not get picked up for season two. It was a lot of fun. And what's sad is what you see in season one is probably 30% of what we shot. I was in Georgia for five months and it there's a, a company called battle box. Okay. And basically the guy was sitting with his wife and she's getting like the box of makeup every month. And he just thought, well, there should be something like this for men. And he went, wait a minute. <laughs> company was born. And they were doing YouTube videos testing the, the product that before they put them in the box and ship them out. And he actually designs knives. So they have custom made knives and it's a lot of camping and survival and fishing and hunting gear. <clears throat> but their tests were kind of funny and they decided to take it up a notch. So on the show, there's one episode where they're testing flame retardant tents and clothing and things. And they, they do the real tests and then we work our way up. You know, we, we came up, they actually have a flamethrower that we used on the show. Nice. And then I would, you know, we'd build this little campsite and I detonated, I think that was like 26 gallons of gasoline detonated. It's like a mushroom cloud. Yeah. It, it's a fun show. It really is. I, I, I think that had they polished it second season and it could have picked up an audience, I think it would have gone. It's, it's kind of sad because we had a blast doing yeah. it, literally. 
Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like Mythbusters for survival gear. They were calling us the Redneck Mythbusters, actually. That, <laughs> that makes sense. Exactly. I've, I've actually things. seen, I haven't watched the show, but I've seen it pop up on Netflix. So that I'll, I will definitely have to check that one out. Yeah, it's, it's like seven or eight episodes. It's not, not you know, you have to dedicate your life to it. Right. <laughs> you can binge it one evening if you're really bored. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was fun. And the cast is actually the real people that work there. The the four main people that are in it, those are actually the guys that work for BattleBox every day. Oh, cool. And yeah, yeah, they're they're not. That's why they brought me. I was actually suggested for several reasons, and the insurance company wanted me yeah. there to make sure to, when they start stepping things up, you know. Well, yeah. I live any, in California. Anytime you're going to blow stuff anything. up, you need you need some safety. I've seen oh, yeah. way too many YouTube videos where people are blowing stuff up that they shouldn't have anything to do with explosives. <laughs> yes, I have seen them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I've seen fireworks displays where people shouldn't have anything to do with explosives, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some people shouldn't light a candle, actually. So. Yeah, yeah. Some people are dangerous enough if they just smoke a cigarette. You know, there's something going up in flames somewhere around them. <laughs> <laughs> yep so what what and are that's some where of, i come in yep there you go uh what are some <laughs> of your favorite shows and, and movies that you've worked on and or your favorite stunts uh well favorite stunts probably still the limo okay. um that was i called it limo leapfrog they call it the limousine of death because you know television right um it's hard to pick. I, I did. There's a, a, a country singer up and coming. She used to be the Coca-Cola stage at uh, NASCAR events named Chelsea Bain. And I did a music video for her called James Dean. It's the name of the song. And they wanted me to flip. We did a car chase like Dukes of Hazard, And I actually took them out to Newhall Ranch where they shot a bunch of the Dukes of Hazard stuff. Hmm. And we had a 69 uh, Cougar. And then we had, I built them a, is a flat black cop car, but I actually bought a set of the real Roscoe decals for the doors and put a light bar on it and made the cop car. And we did this cool chase, smashed them into each other, and then I flipped uh, the Cougar. And it was one of those one shot at it because if you see the video, there's this oil rig behind it and then the hill's coming down, and they wanted the sun, you know, right above the oil rig, right in the hole of the hill. So I had like one shot at it. But I had to flip it over and have it stay on its roof because then we dragged it down probably another 40 yards to an area that was pre-lit for the night shoot and put flame bars on it. And she's singing in front of it while it's on fire. Nice. So that was that was one I was kind of proud of. Yeah. Um, I did a 360 in a Cadillac. to Took the Cadillac in the rain at night in San Francisco uh, off a pipe ramp and 360 to back onto its wheels. And in the video, you see it drive away. In reality, the right front tire was actually folded under the car. <laughs> it looked good in the video. <laughs> yeah, it, well, yeah, especially if you can't cool. show that part. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it worked. But yeah, it's you know the old evil Knievel thing. Jumping motorcycles is easy. It's landing them that's the tricky part. Right, right. Yeah, you, you can get anything yeah. to fly. It's yeah. the landing that gets tough, I think. Yeah, that's why they destroyed so many chargers for Dukes. That wasn't... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, which which is so still heartbreaking. Which is still heartbreaking to think about because that was a beautiful car. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I just missed that one too. I got a bunch of friends that worked on it, but I I came in. I was too young, couldn't get on it. Mm. 
That was actually my uh, one of the things that and Smokey and the Bandit wanted me to do car stunts. That's kind of what turned me on to them. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, Smokey and the Bandit did a lot of lot of cool car stunts. Well, Dukes was basically Smokey and the Bandit uh, for television. That's kind yeah. of where it came from. Because it was, you know, the good old boys and rebel flags and jumping cars and moonshine. It was the, the country music. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a inspired maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's a, not quite a spinoff, but yeah, definitely. No, it's just more the same vibe with her. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you have anything you're working on now that you want that you wanted to promote and get out there? I know the Southern Survival. We, we talked about that, but uh, is there anything right now that's go, that's? I mean, uh, so much is shut down right now, but there yeah, are there I had a bunch, but it's just, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm actually uh, stunt coordinating and producing uh, a film that unfortunately got, we should have already shot it uh, in Kentucky uh, called daughter. Hmm. And it's, uh, it's not really an action film. I, I produce usually sci-fi horror and you know action. Cause that's what I do. But this one's just got a couple of things in it for me, but as a, as a producer, it's, it's more of a challenge because it's a drama. It's based on a, a true story uh, about a guy whose ex-wife basically traded their daughter to a drug dealer hmm. and this guy the police aren't doing much and he went after him himself he ended up in prison and it, it looks pretty good i mean I've, I've got some friends working on it with me um vernon wells is producing it with me and he's in it uh that was wes from road warrior and he was uh bennett and commando the bad guy that looked like freddie mercury okay um robert mukes who's a, a character actor he was i think rufus in uh Oh, the the Rob Zombie, Devil's Rejects, I believe, or House of a Thousand Corpses. He's oh, in that okay. one. Uh, Costas Mandalore, which is uh, he's a great actor, and it's funny I haven't worked with him. I worked with his brother, but I've never worked with Costas, so it'd be cool. Yeah, a guy named Christopher Maggard is directing it, and it's it's kind of gone full circle. He's he's producing it with me and Vernon. When we start working, he's just the director, and I take over. Uh, as a producer, I'm I'm what's known as a fixer. Something goes wrong, I fix it before they know. Right. I've, I've kind of seen every train wreck possible so I can see them before they happen. Usually now <laughs> take it over. But he, he actually, when he was just out of high school, uh, was kind of an apprentice and worked for me setting up things and, uh, you know, cleaning up broken glass, that sort of thing. And then got into a little bit of rigging and, you know, kind of, he had to get a real job and we parted ways, but we stayed in touch and he did a, a little horror film that's on Amazon called Rosalie that won all kinds of awards and things. And he called me up and asked me to come back out. You know, hmm. We'll be shooting that in Kentucky, hopefully uh, end of summer, beginning of fall next year. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, things, things need to start happening again in the entertainment industry. Well, it's changed and I don't think it'll ever change back to what it was. All these new rules and things. But I know yeah. that they're expecting the theaters to reopen because uh, I just heard about Avatar 2, 3, and I think 4 all shot together that they spent a billion dollars or they're spending it. So they're definitely not going to want that one to hit Netflix first. They're going to want that in the theaters. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the second one just looks amazing, the underwater stuff. Does it? Yeah, because that, that first one, the effects on that first one were, were pretty amazing. He waited years and years and years for the technology to catch up to what he wanted to do. Yeah. Um, the next one, they're actually underwater and they shot motion capture underwater for real because uh, the way you move underwater, you, you just can't fake that. 
Right. So Jim waited until they, they could really do it. So, huh. <laughs> I did a couple of things, special projects over at Light Storm, and I, I did a, a tiny little bit of Titanic. Uh, I wish I could have been on the whole thing. That was a, an awesome event movie, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, one thing about Cameron, he puts every dollar on the screen, though. Which, yeah, which is good. Yeah. You figure Waterworld and True Lies have the same budget. Look at True Lies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that one, they, 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 blew, they blew up uh, the bridge down in Florida, down in the Keys for that one, didn't they? For True no, that was actually a miniature. It was? Yeah, it was? It was a miniature that they built. That thing was like quarter mile long. Yeah, they built oh. this huge section in miniature. Okay, is that, I yeah. thought they actually destroyed part of it and where they were building new. I uh, don't know about that. I, I've got some footage that I've seen of the, the truck blowing up where the section's missing, and that was all a huge miniature. I mean, the truck's the size of a Volkswagen. Huh. It's not tiny stuff. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it's one of those companies that they call. I'm like, uh, I'm no longer busy, and I'll be right there. You know, because <laughs> yeah. you know it's going to be so good. Yeah, yeah, you know it's going to be something something big, and it's going to pay. So that's yeah. Yeah. All well, right. you see my resume. I've done a lot of great work, but you know, Attack of the Killer Donuts. Yeah, so. yeah that's <laughs> we. we, we want to see, what can I watch of yours? Watch Titanic. Yeah, yeah. We, we all have, we all have those fun movies we like. <laughs> see, most most of mine are more fun with no money. Yeah, yeah, most of mine are at the level of the Attack of the Killer Donuts, as far as you know. Actually, that probably that probably had a bigger budget than anything I've done. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> all right well i think we're going to take a short break uh we're gonna i'm gonna mm -hmm. get another get another glass of water and when we come back we're gonna we're gonna hit some uh some some kind of news stories anyway i don't know i always tend to oversell them and talk about how fun and amazing these are <laughs> and i don't want to do that i don't want to you know so we'll yeah. we'll be back to some kind of news stories here shortly don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Life Radio Show. We will be right back. You know, a lot of people tell me, say, hey, hey, you know what? All I need is I just need, you know, uh, somebody to, you know, uh, come fix all my problems. I just need, uh, I just need to win the lottery or, you know, some uh, magical, mystical uh, person to come and solve all my problems. Well, I'd suggest maybe you ought to just think about just becoming your own uh, superhero. Be become the become the hero of your own story. You can do it. Nothing's stopping you except you. So just, uh, you know, just kind of get your belly aching crap and just, just say, okay, well, what do we got to do? And just, you know, do it. Become, become the hero of your own story. Okay, goodbye. Save these eyes. 
What's Your Effin' Binge is a podcast brought to you by Chris, Anchor, and Spotify. And what we talk to our guests about is what they're currently binge-watching on TV. And uh, what we do is we like to uh, take a different approach. I don't want to know what the name of the show is that they're going to talk about before they come on. I have to actually guess it. So I ask them who, what, when, where, why, and uh, try to figure out what it is that they're watching. A lot of times I'm able to guess it, and sometimes I'm not. And that's fine. That adds to the comedy of the show. We like to bring our guest on, whether they're a model or an actress or a producer or musician, and just let them have a platform to be able to tell everybody what they have coming up next and also entertain everybody with what's worth watching. So I hope everybody tunes in for the next episode of What's Your Effin' Binge. Thanks. It's Chris. The following is an important message from the Nurses Guild of Florida. We know COVID has many scared. Many of our seniors are even afraid to go to the doctors. Just the thought of being exposed to all the people in the waiting room, in addition to the doctor's staff, is a risk many don't want to take right now. However, putting off health care makes most conditions worse. The Nurses Guild has the solution. One that exposes you to just one person. Call your doctor's office and have them order a nursing assessment from the Nurses Guild. We are a five-star Medicare home health agency. Your registered nurse in full PPE will perform a full head-to-toe assessment, vital signs and medication review, pulse oximetry, even an EKG if needed. Lab work and x-rays can also be done at home. Our registered nurse will discuss all of this strictly and directly with your doctor and get you results. All of our nurses and home health aides are fully screened, supervised, and COVID tested. Call the Nurses Guild today to arrange your home health visit at 954-596-9806 in Broward County and 561-826-8937 in Palm Beach County. Remember, health care put off is health care too late. Stay safe during the pandemic. Wear a mask and insist those around you wear a mask. Wash your hands frequently and stay home as much as possible. Hey, this is Don Smith. I want to take a minute to tell you about The Devil's Apple, a new book by my friend William Morris. It's the true and brutally honest story about Bill's own battle with addiction. It was written for those struggling to overcome addiction as well as those watching a loved one struggle. In Bill's own words, you work just as hard to be an addict as you do to be clean and sober. You can find The Devil's Apple on Amazon.com and for a limited time you can get it for free on the Kindle app. Enough is enough! I have had it with these mickle-thumb snakes on this mickle-thumb plane! All right, hey, welcome back to the Life Radio Show. Uh, we, we lasted through the break. That was that was a long pretend break <laughs> today. <laughs> uh, we, are still, we are still on Zoom with uh, Nick uh, Plantico. And I, I hope I said it right again, because I hate coming back and mispronouncing it the second time. <laughs> two for two, but like I said, you know, as long as it's spelled right on the check, I don't care. All right, perfect, perfect. I'm, you know, that's 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 the important part. Well, if if you're ready to hit some some strange news stories, we'll go ahead and get started. Sure, let's give it a run. All right. Uh, the residents of Asbestos, Quebec, have selected a new name. I reported on this before. They were trying to decide on a new name because uh, the town was called Asbestos. Uh, going forward, the town will be known as Val de Sorcée. Uh, Valley of the Springs, uh, rather than the name of the carcinogenic mineral mined in the town until 2011. The town, about 80 miles east of Montreal, has watched its name as its namesake 
transformed from being an asset in the late 1800s to a liability in recent decades. The area was home to Jeffrey Mine, one of the largest uh, chrysolite asbestos mines in the world, the CBC reports. Uh, the town grew up around it. According to historian Jessica Von Horsen, uh, the town got its name when the Royal Mail simply started calling it after the mineral. So they, they were named by the uh, Royal Canadian Mail. Nice. I guess, yeah, when you just get <laughs> they live over in asbestos. You live in asbestos. That's probably not <laughs> safe at all. <laughs> well, about branding and marketing, though, they had the name. So that's that's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but at, well, yeah. At the time, it was a great name mm-hmm. to have. It was a very uh, and it's still widely used, just not as popular as it once was. <laughs> I know. <laughs> My first uh, two fire suits were asbestos, but back then it was a choice of getting burned or, you know. Right, or asbestos. Luckily, technology is advanced. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, then that, hopefully the you know the, the the town right next door is called mesothelioma, I guess. Is that a bad? That's no, bad. That's bad. <laughs> I should just sometimes I should just stop while I'm ahead on a news story. <laughs> All right, let's see what else we got on here. It's got to be, gotta be something. Got to be something better than what I just said. What's that? I was just hoping you had another one. Yeah. Oh yeah, that that's the only one. Thanks for no. Okay. <laughs> we're going to spend the rest of the show talking about asbestos Quebec. <laughs> Uh, A U.S. company captured the title of world's fastest production car when its latest model reached an average speed of 316.11 miles per hour. Uh, SSC North America has announced that the Tuatara hypercar was tested outside Las Vegas in a pair of high-speed runs on Nevada State Highway 160 in opposite directions, allowing for the company to account for factors like wind and road variations. The car averaged a top speed of 316.11 miles per hour, capturing the title of the world's fastest production car. The vehicle reached a top speed of 331.15 during one of the runs, capturing the record for highest speed ever achieved on a public road. Wow. Yeah. That's, well, that, that's, a car right up, that's a car right yeah. up your alley there. <laughs> now, that's, yeah, that's, that's a little faster than I want to hit any ramp, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you'd, I think you'd want something completely flat without <laughs> an aerodynamic in the right way, so it keeps you attached to the ground. That's. See, being from California, I can't imagine a road smooth enough out here that you could do that, huh? Yeah. Well, being in the Dayton, Ohio area, I can't imagine going more than three feet without hitting another damn pothole. So yeah, yeah, that would not, (laughs) you go 316 miles per hour in this on roads around here, you become part of that road. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, which is probably, you know, probably the only way they're going to get fixed, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yep, just yep. It's just you had a, had an alternator fall off. It's stuck down in the pothole now. That's that's called a fix. Now the the crew of the International Space Station plugged a long-standing air leak after locating the source uh, with the help of a tea bag. Uh, Russian space uh, agency Roscos, Ros, Roscosmos. 
Ross the Cosmos. Okay. I said we were talking about the Dukes of Hazard. I had Roscoe stuck in the head. So <laughs> Roscoe, what does that have to do with the Russian Space Agency? Ross Cosmos said the station had been experiencing experiencing a mysterious air leak since September 2019, but the leak was minor enough that fixing it wasn't considered a priority until the leak rate increased in August. Uh, Roscosmos uh, said the source of the leak was finally found when cosmonaut Antoly Ivanishin uh, broke open a tea bag, allowing leaves to float free in the transfer chamber of the Zvezda service module area of the station. The crew sealed off the area and monitored the leaves on the video cameras, noting that the tiny uh, tea fragments were floating toward a scratch in the wall that it was confirmed as the uh, source of the leak. That's pretty ingenious. <laughs> that is totally a new one. Yeah, that's that's a yeah, very totally clever, nice. very clever way to find a leak. It'll be an infomercial next week, though. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know if uh, that's it's a new <laughs> it's a new uh, new leak testing uh, technique called teabagging, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think another possible show title is going to be teabagging your space station. That's oh, you never. <laughs> I just lost my title, man. Yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. compete with that though. That's yeah. good. <laughs> you never know. Well, I, I've had as many as like seven or eight titles for a show, and then it's just then it just becomes really tough to pick a winner. Yeah. <laughs> That's again, that's, is pretty good too. <laughs> what's that? Asbestos. You got the asbestos and teabagging, so yeah, we're going good here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're we're uh, we're doing something. We're on, we're on par for my for a usual episode, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> California police said they have recovered a pair of pricey exotic lizards about a year after they were stolen from a reptile store. The Long Beach Police Department said two Australian lace monitors, which are together worth more than $75,000, were recovered by detectives and determined to be the lizard stolen in November of 2019 from JTK Reptiles in Long Beach. Police said the lizards were found in a home in uh, Panorama City. Two people were arrested in connection with the investigation. Investigators said the lizards appear to be healthy and uninjured and will be returned to JTK Reptiles. Seventy-five thousand dollars for two lizards. Well, they should be cheaper. They're pre-owned now. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I think your lizard like drops thirty percent at least in resale value as soon as you drive it off the lot. Absolutely. And this is a stolen <laughs> lizard, so you know they drove it like they stole it. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely going to reduce the uh, the the value right there. Stolen. Oh, you have stolen <laughs> used lizards now. That's it's not good for anybody. <laughs> yeah, they got salvage title now, so yeah, it's not gonna work. Yeah. <laughs> if you're looking for some cheaper lizards, though, it'll work. Yeah, I just I have to wonder how they because I mean lizards kind of look alike. I mean, sure, it's a, it's a different breed and different uh, species, but. I mean, I guess, I guess it's rare enough. I guess it's rare enough that the chances of there being two owned by these people where there were two that were missing is, is pretty unlikely. 
Yeah, most people in trailer parks don't have that kind of animal, so. <laughs> we caught these ourselves. <laughs> yeah. There's my oh, wow. lizard. <laughs> See, put him on the ground. I'll call his name. He'll come right to me. <laughs> I, I guess it's, I guess it's worth a try. I don't know. I've never uh, I've never owned a lizard. Have you ever owned a lizard? Uh, no, I've, I've worked alligators, but uh, never owned one, and really don't want to. <laughs> I don't blame you. You worked with alligators. Yeah, I've done all kinds of silly things over the years. I, I've got a friend, Sedona Jungle Exotics, big animal company, and. They did like Homer Bound, and they've got Mr. Bigglesworth and a bunch of stuff. And they they had uh, three alligators. Two were jerks. One was kind of nice. <laughs> but uh, it was a, a film called The Goods. Did a long time ago. Oh, About a used uh, car lot trying to sell a bunch of cars. Yeah, and, yeah I was working one of the three on that one. Yeah, just the thing kept trying to eat me though. <laughs> I don't know why. I just I was putting it up on the hood of a car, letting it slide off. I don't know why it was mad. Yeah, that uh, doesn't make sense. You think. <laughs> you know, just ready wasn't ready for his close up, I guess. Yeah, she got me back though because I had this box in the back of the truck and drove her from San Bernardino out here all the way to LA, you know, hour and a half. Worked all day, drove back, got her out of her box, went to put her back in her pen, she peed all over me. So she oh, got me back. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> yeah, that's that, them angry gators. You just can't <laughs> Yeah. Well she's you know, she was about eight eight and a half feet at the time, so she can do whatever she wants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's hard to argue with them. I'm assuming I've not, I've eaten gator, but I've never worked with any. Uh, she was one of the full, few cool ones. She was actually the Luberderm alligator back in the day, the little teeny one that the see you later alligator. Oh, okay. But then she got bigger, and they started you know green screening her and compositing and. Yeah. But most Those... of them, they're just you know they're dinosaurs. This one was actually because it was raised working. You, you cover their eyes, they're supposed to calm down. You, you throw a towel over her eyes so you could tape her mouth shut and transport her, and she was like, oh, this again. Yeah. <laughs> Usually in and out fine. The other two, they tried to eat you the whole time. So. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, much. there you go. That's Well, yeah, that sounds like that one was a child star. Started yeah, off, exactly. Yeah, started off early in the Luberderm commercials. I'm just, I'm just glad it didn't develop a drug problem. You know, yeah, well. end up in jail like a lot of the other child stars that we we know and love. Uh, don't tell anybody, but I'm pretty sure they spend all our money though, so she didn't get much of it. <laughs> well, yeah, that's well. Again, just like a lot of child stars, you have that parent or that that agent that just steals from them left yeah. and right, and their kids. <laughs> what do they know? You know, it's terrible. It's a terrible thing. Yeah. Terrible yeah, things well, happen. <laughs> True. All right, where are we? Andrew Orkin was taking a break from enjoy from his evening jog to sit by Prospect Park Lake when he turned around and was startled to see a tangle of wriggling snakes and quite a big pile, fully alive, said Orkin, a music composer who lives near Brooklyn Park. They turned out to be eels that had escaped from uh, one of one of two large plastic bags that split open as a man dragged them to the shoreline. After dumping the eels in the lake, the man walked away, explaining to bystanders that I just want to save lives. What am I reading? The illegal release. <laughs> Sorry. That is a drag, dra one of two bags, large plastic bags filled with eels. One of them split open and the other one he dumped in the lakes because he just wants to save lives. 
The illegal release late last month became a curiosity on social media, but the dumping of exotic animals in urban parks isn't new. In cities across the country, non-native birds, turtles, fish, and lizards have settled into and often disturbed local ecosystems. New Yorkers uh, free thousands of non-native native animals every year, many of them abandoned uh, Many of the abandoned pets uh, that die quickly, uh, but others can survive, reproduce, and end up causing lasting harm. But they just want to save lives. That just—I am confused as to how yeah, the least of all these eels is going to save lives. He rescued them from a Chinese restaurant. I don't know. I mean, that would be get my guess. <laughs> They are identified as swamp eels native to Southeast Asia. Oh, uh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Has he never seen Lake Placid? There's a whole movie about not doing stuff like that in the whole place. <laughs> exactly. That's that's just crazy. Now, I know like, like the snakehead fish. Have you heard of those? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know those were big for a while as far as destroying a lot of ecosystems, and I'm pretty sure they still are. I know in Florida and a lot of other places they've been very invasive. But, uh, yeah, I've not heard of dumping eels to save lives. (laughs) That's just (laughs) – that just (laughs) – yeah, and there are all these people witnessed him do that and just shrugged it off, like uh, just saving lives, I guess. Release Neils and saving lives. That's <laughs> not all heroes oh, uh, drag bags of eels <laughs> to. The... <laughs> I just keep thinking the asylum is going to make a movie about it now. The tornado that picks up eels now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Eel NATO. <laughs> Yeah, if you ever think your movie's no good, your idea that you have, somebody walked in and sold that one. Yeah, uh, just, so, movie. yeah that's that's <laughs> awesome. That's because well, why not? I mean, if you can sell it, go for it. Somebody <laughs> sold snakes on a plane, and all they did is put uh, you know Samuel L. Jackson in there cussing about them, and they have a movie. <laughs> Absolutely. That's that's. Well, I did zombies yeah, on the plane, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll we'll hit one more uh, since this is about a uh, this is it's kind of a boat stunt, I guess. Uh, three men conducting a photo shoot on a boat in a busy Florida river uh, somehow went overboard, leaving the twenty four foot vessel unmanned and out of control. Uh, the three men told deputies that they accidentally fell into the St. Lucie River along Florida's Atlantic coast on Saturday, leaving the boat unmanned. It circled around the men numerous times, forcing them to dive underwater so it wouldn't run them over. The boat then straightened out, hit a concrete dock, went airborne, and hit a second dock before coming to a stop, the Martin County Sheriff's Office said in a Facebook post. The men were able to swim to a nearby sailboat. Uh, One had a minor injury, the Sheriff's Office said. An investigation into the cause has been turned over to the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. And as it turns out, these men just wanted to save lives. (laughs) That is, that is my new escape for anything stupid that I do. Just want to save lives. That's, that's how I'm, (laughs) that's how I'm every, every dumb thing I do. I'm just going to look at the first person that comes near me. Like I'm an idiot. And I'm just going to say, Hey, I just want to save lives. 
and then walk away before they have a chance for a second question. That is a great out. Right. All right. Well, if you guys do the movie of the boat thing, though, I'll, I'll do the boat jump if you guys want. But, uh, okay. Keep there, the eels. I don't want to do them. You don't want the. You don't want to do the eels. Nah, I'll jump the boat for you. But uh, said so we combine the two. We jump the boats over the eels. Well, that's fine as long as the eels aren't in the boat. That's right. Fine. Right. Right. Two trash bags full of eels. That's why they fell out. Probably the same guys. <laughs> yeah, that's. It, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he 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 and he he lost his eels up in the, uh, the I think that was New York, and then he headed straight to Florida to get on a boat in St. Lucie River, which makes sense. Get some more you know, it's that time yeah. of year for all the New Yorkers to head down to uh, Florida anyway. Florida. <laughs> <So> <laughs> just dump your eels, get on a boat. That's it's that time of year. It's eel dumping boat season. I guess. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I wasn't sure where you're going to go with these news stories, but these were funny. I'll give you that. <laughs> well, that that's that's all I hope for is to be a little bit funny. So, <laughs> that was, well, I'm going to I'm going to give you a couple minutes now. If you if you do have any social media, anything like that, or anything else you want to promote, uh, I'm going to give you a few minutes if you want them to go ahead and do that. No, I I, I had a big pile of stuff, and uh, when the apocalypse hit, it kind of went away. Yeah. But uh, we're hoping next year. The, this project, the uh, daughter, oh, is uh, hopefully in a year or two. Look for it. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we'll get back to filming things soon. And, you know, if your, listeners, if your listeners are bored, uh, you can just go to the IMDB, the Internet Movie Database, put my name in, and you'll get a list of about a fifth of what I've actually done. But uh, there's some stuff there that, uh, you know, if you just want Netflix and get drunk, there you go. So, Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> well, thanks a lot for being on the show. It was great talking to you uh, oh. once we got everything settled with Zoom. It was, yeah, it was thanks great for having me out and the patient. I can get this. I'll try and figure out what's wrong with the microphones on my computer. Oh, yeah. The, it, there's always something. That hope, hopefully whatever we did to get it working uh, doesn't mess it up for your kid trying to use it for school later. <laughs> Uh, oh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for being on the show. It was great talking to you. And thanks for listening to the Life Radio Show. Like I keep telling you guys, if you're going to keep listening, I'm just going to have to keep making them. All right. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to the Life Radio Show podcast. Check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, if you want to listen live, we are on Tuesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. on WWSU 106.9 FM. You can also stream the show live at WWSU1069.org, and we go Facebook Live at the Life Radio Show's Facebook page. If you have suggestions or comments, feel free to email thelife1069 at gmail.com. Overwhelms me. A brutal presence. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs>